Welcome to Why I Quit, a show that covers real people quitting their nine to five jobs in search of something different. Listen to inspiring conversations where we dive deep into the stories of why people quit their jobs, what were the hardest parts, where are they now, and any advice for people following the same path. We are so excited to introduce Ryan Beach as this week's guest on Why I Quit. Listen as Ryan discusses his journey of hitting his career goals very early on. Learn how he decided to take a leave of absence and travel around South America for three months. Get inspired hearing how this gave him the time and space to figure out what he wanted and led to a promotion and a new role at his company. Hey, Ryan. Thanks so much for joining me today. Hey, Dave. How are you? Good. Well, I'm excited to hear your story. Do you mind starting off telling me a little bit about your educational background and how that transitioned into your first job? Yeah, absolutely. So I grew up in Delaware. I've, I've lived most of my life in Delaware. And as one often does, they, they look at schools in state. And so I went to University of Delaware. I graduated in 2012 with a degree in political science. When I was going into college, I had this lofty idea of, of wanting to be president of the United States. And then I, I quickly realized it seemed a little bit more stressful and, and, and maybe less uh, financially advantageous than one might think. And so uh, I quickly pivoted. Even though I kept that degree, I, I pivoted to some different ideas for what I wanted to do with my career and, and with my you know post-college profession. And so after college, I uh, got a job at JP Morgan. I was working in the private bank supporting their ultra high net and high net uh, clients. I was based out of Newark. So I, I moved home, lived with my parents and, you know, spent a couple of years uh, just building a little bit of a, of a base financially and, and getting experience with JP Morgan. You know, but at a certain point, I, I, I knew it really wasn't what I was looking for. I'd always enjoyed, you know, finance and investing and trading. But when it came to what I felt like I was good at, which was really more you know, the communication and, and conversation and the ability to work with people on the other side of the fence, whether that's customers or partners and, you know, just find a common ground. And my dad's been a salesman for his whole career. And growing up, I always saw him on the road, you know, meeting with clients, traveling, going to business meetings, being on conference calls. You know, I, I think I've logged more time with him, listening to him talking to his clients than I have, you know, maybe my own, just being in the car, going to baseball practice. So I, I always kind of like that, that energy, that life kind of defining your own path. And so at a certain point where I realized, you know, the, the banking life wasn't for me, uh, I started to look at sales jobs. And, you know, for me, I kind of set two key criteria, one of which was ideally get into a large multinational company. And then if they happen to have a sales training program that could, you know, develop me and, and put me on the map per se, that was what I was looking for. And I got really lucky. SAP Enterprise Software Company had just launched uh, a global sales training program led by, at the, C at the time, CEO Bill McDermott. And they were looking for you know, early talent, so, so people in their early to mid-20s, to bring on and ultimately place into field sales roles. And the, uh, the role itself was a nine-month sales development program with individuals from 90, it was 99 of us from, I think it was like 30 different countries. And so within the U.S., there are about 25 of us, and I was based in New York City. So I packed up my stuff uh, from home. And I moved into New York City at the beginning of 2014 uh, and started this, this training program. 
And, you know, for me, uh, it was exactly what I was looking for. It was, you know, sort of the hands-on training that you got from a mentor in New York. And then three of those nine months we spent out in Dublin, Pleasanton, California, East Bay in the classroom. And we were, you know, really given sort of world-class training on, you know, how do you not only present and deliver and, and execute a presentation, but how do you work across extended teams? How do you collaborate? How do you negotiate? How do you discover and, and have discovery meetings with customers to ultimately enable the products that you're selling to work for, for our clients or prospects needs? And so did that for, for nine months and Basically, after that, I spent three more years with SAP working in a couple different sales functions, selling into financial services clients. But at a certain point, uh, an old boss of mine had joined uh, a company Workday. You know, I had spent enough time losing to Workday in the enterprise HR and finance space that I, you know, you can't beat them, join them, right? And so five years ago, a little over five years ago, I joined Workday. And at that point, I moved to the West Coast. So uh, I moved from New York and then actually had a, a stint in Chicago with SAP. And then at, at which point I moved out to California and, and spent five years with Workday. And I can keep going into that, but I'm sure you may have some questions. That's a perfect start. And, you know, I'm curious in terms of kind of like that hands-on educational piece. I know something that, you know, people grapple with a lot is like, should they go to grad school, you know, and thinking about like additional training versus like educational training. And I'd love your perspective in terms of like, you know, how you think about, you know, people that are considering paying to go back to school or being trained by a company or looking for a job that trains you, you know, based on your experience, you know, what's, what's kind of your advice to people that are looking down that path? Yeah. I mean, it's a great question because for me, I never had a desire to go to grad school. I barely like school to begin with. Um, as a sales guy, I'd rather be sort of making my own way and, and, trying different things to drive selling. And so for me, school in and of itself and following a curriculum wasn't preferred. Therefore, I did not look at an MBA or business school as something that was desirable. That said, having the structure of a sales training program, I wouldn't be where I am today without it. And so I think depending upon what your goals are, right, and, and the profession that you're in and you know what you're looking to pursue, I do think there are absolutely reasons to get an MBA. I think there are absolutely reasons to get, you know, whether it's further education through certifications or, or um, programs that like Harvard's Business School or other organizations put on. But I think it really has to align with what your objectives are. And so for me, the sales training program was the foundation. And interestingly enough, at 32 now and 10 years uh, in the workforce, I'm more open-minded to an MBA. I don't know if at this point it's something that it, I would necessarily uh, gravitate towards, but if somebody or a future employer said, hey, we'd really prefer you to have your business degree for this reason, I think I would consider it more. You know, I'd love to hear about your mindset at this, you know, current time period. Are you thinking that you're going to be a sales lifer in terms of kind of like a corporate career or, you know, do you have like side aspirations or, you know, where's, where's your mindset at as you are kind of like transitioning from SAP to Workday? And, and so at this point, I, I've been with Workday for five years and what I, I chose to do was to take a personal leave of absence. And so, um, and one of the things that for any of the listeners as they're thinking about maybe making a leap or, or doing something different is understanding what their options are. Because certainly you can resign and quit and, and sort of figure out what's next. Um, Workday, given that I had been there five years and had, you know, I think delivered strong results for them, 
gave me the option to take this leave of absence, which um, is unpaid, so I'm not being paid at the moment, but have a little bit of a, sort of that safety net up to 12 months. And so I'm, I'm two months into this leave of absence and not working. And to answer your question, I honestly don't know. And what I wanted to do with this time away was to see uh, how it felt to be detached, to see how it felt to um, not be working, to see if, you know, while I am off and traveling and, and meeting new people and experiencing different things, if I came across passions, hobbies, interests that maybe I didn't know or wouldn't have paid enough attention to while working and to see what develops. And it's very possible that after six, nine months, you know, I said, you know what, that was a great run, love traveling. I think what I was doing was pretty damn good and I'm gonna go back to that. But at this point, I'm really just sort of letting the moment come to me and, and see what happens. How long was it from when you first had the idea of the concept of taking a leave of absence till you actually acted on it? So it's a great question. Beginning of 2022, so almost a year ago, our sales year effectively wrapped up. And so for me, you know, I had accomplished what I wanted to from a sales standpoint and honestly from a career standpoint up until now, which was, you know, to be top sales rep at my company. And I was very fortunate to have achieved that. It's kind of something that when I was 22 and started SAP, you know, that's what you put on the vision board. It's like be number one, sell and, and hopefully make a lot of money. And I was fortunate to have at 32 done that. And, and frankly, I had a little bit of a, a deflating moment where I was like, now what? You know, it's like I've accomplished this goal that I had in my mind for so long. I, I kind of felt a little like depressed. I was like, it, do I keep doing this? Is, is this what it was supposed to be? Is this what it's supposed to feel like? And so that was, you know, I was still riding the high of the year. I was still riding the high of some of the awards and celebrations. And, you know, you go to your, on your club trip and everybody, you know, cheers and all that stuff. So May rolls around and, and that's starting to kind of come down. And I think about the sales year ahead. And it was at that point, so May of 2022, I was like, what, what are, what other options do I have? Um, and, you know, I was, fortunate to have very supportive sales leadership to kind of work through those options with me. But I remember going over to Europe in mid-June and I had a, it was part of it, part of it was a work meeting. Part of it, I, I extended some time just to do some, some vacation and traveling. And I just remember feeling very invigorated by being outside of the U.S. and, you know, being a little uncomfortable, being, you know, in an environment where I didn't necessarily speak the language. And I just, it was the first time in a while I felt sort of fresh and I felt, felt energetic. And I think it was right around then I was like, okay, what would it look like if I took some time away to travel? What would it look like if, you know, I, I decided that I wanted to pause and not make an income and, and, you know, do that. And so at that point I hadn't really formulated a strategy. It was just like, this is something in my mind to do. And then over the coming months, I was like, okay, I move out of my house in LA. I got to, you know, start cutting down all the stupid subscriptions that I'm paying monthly for. And I started to kind of slowly act upon what it would be like if I didn't have a job. And then around late August, I said, I think this is what I need to do. It took a couple months, but it, it happened more quickly than I expected. What was the hardest part of the process in terms of actually, you know, committing to take the leave of absence? You know, were, were you super nervous at the time? Were you so confident in the decision that you weren't that worried about it? You know, were you, you know, was it talking to your bosses? You know, you know, what was that process like? So I think it was probably somewhere in the middle where I, I felt pretty good. And, and I, 
I believe I have a pretty strong conviction with a lot of the things that I do and I, you know, very few regrets. And so I, I kind of trusted my gut a little bit that it was the right thing. It was more of the tactical, like, like I said, moving out of my house that I've been living in for five years, putting things in storage, throwing, I mean, I had so much crap that I had accumulated over the years. It was more the stress of executing against the actual move and, and sort of leaving than it was, you know, not having the job per se. And so the, the stress came from sort of the detachment period where I had to get rid of all the things that I'd come used to, whether it was the paycheck, whether it was, you know, the same place I'd live in, my groups of friends, and really start to like plan out what I was going to do next. What was the hardest thing for you to give up during the process? Was it, you know, the aspect of, you know, moving away from, you know, friends and security? Was it, you know, kind of financial uncertainty or was it, you know, also just like waking up and not knowing what you're going to do the next day? Kind of, you know, where was your head at with that? I think it was the last one where, you know, for 10 years I have been disciplined by the structures of a job, right? And, you know, before that school. And for the first time in my life, I wasn't going to have a disciplined schedule or things that I needed to do when I woke up. And I was a little scared of like, what is it going to look like now that I don't have, you know, something to do every day? And will I have the self-discipline to be productive, to grow, to develop? What am I going to work on? What are the things and the hobbies and the skills that I want to get better at? And at first I was nervous. And then I had to talk myself down a little bit and be like, if at the end of the day for six months, you just have fun, that's good. Now, it's not what I wanted to do, but I think I needed to remind myself that just the time away to decompress and relax was productive. Um, but to answer your question, the thing that I was most nervous about was just kind of wasting the time. Something I think you hear people talk about, you know, when they quit or even you hear a lot when people retire is that like a lot of times they just move the time or energy from what they did in a nine to five structure work into just like going all into the next thing. Talk to me a little bit about like how you thought about how you wanted to use that time. I know it's only been like two months, but, you know, how do you think about structuring that and, you know, kind of creating the goals and boundaries around that? Yeah, I, I look at it as the framework that I've used is, you know, establishing like three broader goals, one personal, one professional, one, you know, call it like mental or or physical. So, you know, the one hand is I have been working on my Spanish, right? So being spending a lot of time in Latin America, one of my goals was to become more proficient. And, you know, I didn't say I wanted to be fluent per se, but I wanted to be able, I just wanted to be more confident and comfortable to navigate countries that, you know, English may have a little bit of, of being spoken, but it, it generally isn't. So that was one of the goals that I had set. And I would say I'm, I'm not as far along, but I am feeling better than I did. So that was one. Number two was thinking about like, you know, I have a couple friends who are either starting businesses or are founders that don't really have a skill set in sales. And so just doing sort of pro bono assistance where, hey, like, what are your goals? What are you thinking about? And what don't you think you have that from a business development or a sales standpoint you'd like to have and just having some conversations with them around you know is my skill set and expertise as good as i think it is and then if so how can we translate that into you know a five-person company that's looking to scale up a little bit can i help them with that and really not having any expectations at this point right you know because for me i i was i was clear to myself that i wanted to spend at least three four five months just not seeking any sort of income any sort of like 
work that would stress me out, but help if possible. So those were like the first two. And then the third is really just, you know, as I'm traveling, putting myself out there socially and, and meeting new people. And it's very easy to stay in an Airbnb or a hotel room and just go to dinner and, and go home. But, you know, meeting new people, meeting interesting people. So those are sort of the three different broader goals that I had set for myself. I'm curious in terms of, you know, meeting new people and experiencing new things. I think that's like the older that we get, the harder it is to meet new people, make new friends, kind of putting yourself out there seems like um, a lot more difficult. Talk to me a little bit about that as you've like done that in the beginning. Is it more difficult than you thought or is it easier or what's, what's that been like? So the first two months I've spent down mostly in Argentina and I started there because it was a, it was a bit of a soft landing because I had friends that lived there. And so I had visited there a few times before. I loved Buenos Aires. I loved the country. Um, and I, you know, was fortunate to have buddies that lived there. And so to start and spending time there, I didn't really need to proactively socialize or get out of my comfort zone because I had a group of friends already that were down there to sort of to blend in with right now. The one challenge was that when they were all speaking Spanish and I was the guy, you know, who only understood English, I had to figure out what to do with my hands and twiddle my thumbs or how do you engage without being rude or interrupting a conversation. And so, you know, that was a little, you know, maybe a bit of a discomfort, but going down. So tonight I'm flying to Peru and this is a soul. This is the solo part of the trip where I'm going to spend some time in Peru and Bolivia and Colombia. Um, and so to answer your question, I don't know yet because I haven't necessarily had to, but over the coming months, it's really going to be more of that. All right. How do you engage? How do you meet new people? But not just an expat sitting at the bar next to you, but someone from the region. And, and can I, you know, engage in whether it's limited in English, limited in Spanish, like how can you engage with the people that actually live there and not just stick to the comforts of expat travelers? I know something, you know, especially with work, you know, it's hard to, Turn, turn off, you know, your phone's in your pocket at all times. You have your work email, your Slack, your, you know, all of your, you know, communication kind of tied to it. Um, how do you think about, you know, the digital and connected side when you're off? Are you trying to, you know, kind of step away from that a little bit? Or is it kind of like the same as what you're typically doing? Or what does that look like? Yeah, I hate to admit it's still probably the same. Now, the benefits of having a data plan or, Having a, a U.S. data plan in, in Latin America is to avoid using data and getting hit with $1,000 for the charges. I do try to be less data usage, Wi-Fi, you know, only sort of strategy. I did have a period where my SIM card stopped working, so I couldn't use, you know, my phone or text anybody for like two weeks. And so I had a little bit of forced experience there. But to your point, I am trying to get better. I'm not there yet. But at this point, I've been pretty connected. But I do think traveling, you know, Machu Picchu, for example, where I'm going to you know, spend some time uh, in a few weeks, no service, right? And so I think forcing that disconnectivity where ideally I would have to force it, but hopefully that will then remind me that you don't need to be connected all the time and, and you, you, you can sort of receive the benefits of just being off the grid. I'm curious in terms of... You know, obviously there's a lot of things that led to like, you know, you taking this leave earlier, you mentioned, you know, kind of being in Europe, opened your eyes to kind of new experiences and things like that. But you also talked about how, you know, you worked to become like the top of your field. You know, what percentage of this do you think is like the stresses or the intensity of getting to that point versus actually the other side of it, which is just like looking for new experiences? 
I think it's it's looking the looking for new experiences piece. Like sure, jobs the job's stressful, sales can be stressful, you know, you're 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 navigating and working across a lot of different streams, whether it's your customers directly, internal stakeholders, you know, sales leaders asking for forecasts and deal updates. That's stressful, but I, I always enjoyed that, right? Like I, I kind of enjoyed, you know, being a little bit under the gun. And so I think it's it's more of, of the latter of what you asked, which is seeking new experiences, getting uncomfortable, right? Being challenged and, you know, being challenged doesn't necessarily have to be professional, but, you know, it's in an environment where, you know, you got to use your head to navigate, right? And so you don't always know what those are going to look like. But this for me was really, you know, learning something new, maybe as a skill, learning more about myself um, and really kind of getting little dirty and gritty and, and figuring out, you know, the inner operations of life, I guess, is what I would describe it. So, you know, because I don't mind going back and, and working hard and, and, you know, applying myself in, in ways that I think are useful, but I just felt like I wanted to apply myself in a new way. That kind of transitions, transitions into something we talk about with most guests on the show is, you know, really the concept of work-life balance, or a lot of people talk about like work-life integration. And I think with, you know, remote and hybrid, I think a lot of these things are like blending together. I'm curious, you know, kind of how you thought about work-life balance, you know, when you were at your previous company and then has that changed at all, you know, in this short time that you've, you know, obviously been going through, you know, traveling as well. As someone, you know, I think it helps, right? I'm a, I'm a single guy with no kids, right? And so working, you know, up for the last 10 years for me was, was, I was good with it, right? Like I, I didn't, and I, to be clear, I, you know, I think I had a pretty good work-life balance. If I wanted to go to the gym, I would do that. If I wanted to go on a trip and maybe work remotely or just take the time off, I would do that. And I, again, I had the support, I think of, of good bosses who were encouraged and enabled, you know, taking that time off to reset. But I also didn't mind, you know, being on my phone at the gym or, or like texting, checking emails, you know, I, I kind of liked the coexistence aspect of it. Cause for me, it, it was, it made sense, but you know, now if I had a wife and kids and they were, you know, wouldn't be happy that I was work, you know, that's a different conversation, but I can't speak to that cause I didn't live it. Whereas now it's just the life part of it that I'm, that I'm managing. And so I would almost say that it's remembering and reminding myself to stay in touch with, you know, people I care about. That's to me, the, the balance piece is, you know, I can go off on this venture and, and go find myself and have a great time. But, you know, there's people on the other side that are supporting you, whether it's parents, siblings, friends. And so I think that's the reminder is staying in touch and checking in and, and seeing how other people are doing as well. You know, I'm, I'm curious, you know, as you've, you know, kind of went through the process of actually making, you know, the leap to, you know, take some time off. You know, a lot of people who are listening are looking to either quit, make a change or, you know, have recently done so. You know, what's, you know, a piece of advice you would give someone who's like thinking about going down a similar path? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question because I know oftentimes, you know, you hear the stories or, or people who say, well, so-and-so said it wasn't a good idea or my parents didn't think I should do it or my job said I wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't let me back if I did it. And so I think a lot of that, that anxiety, if you will, stems from a couple key categories, one of which is financial, right? Because when you decide to make a leap, either you have no income or an unstable income, depending upon what you're deciding to do. And then the other side of it is, is really a personal anxiety of, you know, will people look at me differently? Do they have, you know, are they asking if I'm crazy, all these things. So I think it all boils down to a sense of anxiety and, you know, fortunately for me, you know, I, I, I kind of don't care what people think a little bit. So like, I never felt like I, I had 
judgment. And frankly, I, I was really lucky. My people supported me. My, my parents supported me. They trusted that, you know, what I had done up until then was, was good. And if I was going to do this, it was going to be good too. Um, but for other people, I think it's really just trusting yourself. Like if there's something in your gut that says this situation that I'm in doesn't feel good, that's kind of reason number one. And then from the financial standpoint, again, everybody's different. So I'm not going to speak to, you know, all the different scenarios. You know, people still have student loan debt or other forms of debt. You know, they they may not have the run rate of cash to, you know, support, you know, a long-term adventure. But I think whether it's one month, two months, six months, there is probably a window that people could potentially, you know, uh, take this time off for. And so I think it's really just thinking through, you know, what's the strategy? What's the goal? What's my run rate of money that I would need to do it? You know, and then convincing yourself that you have it. And once you've convinced yourself, I think everything else is easy. You know, the last question we ask that every guest on the show is we try to think about it in terms of like not too short term, but not too long term. So we think about in a three to five year window, what are you most excited about? Is, is no an appropriate answer? I mean, I, I yeah, not that I'm not, ex I, I just, not to sound hokey, I'm just really trying to be in the present and just, you know, kind of get through sort of what I'm doing right now. And I think that at some point in the next six months, there will be something and I'll be excited about three to five years from now. I just haven't experienced that yet. So I do firmly believe that, you know, in the, in the near future, and then looking back, there will be a moment or a person or uh, a experience that, that will have led me to be like, that was incredible. I just am, I don't think I'm there yet. No, I love it. Well, I'm super excited to follow along with your journey, see where you take it. Definitely enjoy all your travels and your time off. And uh, I really appreciate your time. And I think a lot of people will resonate with your story. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. It really means a lot to us. We want to hear from you as we keep growing. Please reach out on whyquit.co if you have any feedback or potential guests. A special thanks to Chris Dole for the music. Please check out his newest album, Here's to You, on Spotify. Thank you, and we will be back next week with another episode.